Well, good morning. I guess this is on. You can hear me now. <laughs> Very glad to be here. And uh, hope the campers are having a good time. They got some little bit of rain, but it looks like a really nice day for them. If you'd open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and there are Bibles in the pews if you don't have one, we're going to read verse 19 and then verse 20. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. It says there, Now therefore you are no no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that as we look at this uh, small section of Scripture that You would open our minds to it, that we might behold the glory that is in Christ Jesus as our foundation, that we might build our lives upon Him, that we might look to Him, that we might love Him, that we might cherish Him. Lord, uh, give us Your Holy Spirit. Cause us to understand and, uh, and give glory to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to answer the question which comes out of chapter 2, verse 20. How do you build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ? This is what Christianity is all about. Building a life on the Lord Jesus. Living for Him. Living in Him. What He said, what He did. Understanding that He is now at the Father's right hand in heaven for us. In the next several minutes... I'd like to answer that question. What does it mean that we build our life upon the chief cornerstone of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ? There are seven points in your bulletin. I promise to get you out on time. You don't have to worry. I know you normally get three points. We've got four more than three. Many are building their lives on the Lord Jesus now. And this message hopefully will encourage them to continue to do that and to build on the cornerstone. To be faithful about the business of building upon the Lord Jesus. Others are close to the kingdom, but they haven't yet trusted in Christ and haven't begun to build upon Him. And they don't know why they should exactly or what the benefits to them would be if they did. Others come from a completely different kind of background, either without God altogether or of a different religion. And to them, Christianity seems strange and foreign. It's filled with doctrine and with content and difficult ideas to follow. So I hope to take a little bit of the mystery out of of that with this message and to break down some of those barriers that might bring those people a step or two closer to the kingdom of God, to Christ's kingdom. What are all these strange terms about? And why is it so important to think about building your life on the Lord Jesus? So the question is, what does it mean to build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ? And why would you want to do that? And how could you do it? There are some reasons given to us in verse 19 of chapter 2, the one right before verse 20. Notice that verse 19 tells us that When we build upon the Lord Jesus, we are no longer strangers to God. He's not far off from any one of us. 
Paul tells us in his sermon on Mars Hill. But we can be fully acquainted with Him and know Him. We can know Him personally and have an intimate relationship with Him. Instead of being a stranger, we can be a friend to God. I'm sure you've said at some point in your life, when you're leaving somebody that uh, that you're familiar with and that you love, well, don't be a stranger. Well, that's what God is saying to us here in this section of Scripture. Don't be stranger to God. When you come to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ, He's not distant from us, but He's close up and He's personal. Second, notice in verse 19 that we're not foreigners to Him. We're not alien to Him. When you come to the Father, God, through the Son, the Lord Jesus, you don't come as a foreigner. There's a movement of foreigners all throughout the world. People fleeing oppression or economic conditions or war. And they leave their natural home and they go as foreigners to a different country. When we come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ... He doesn't look at us as foreigners, but as belonging to Him and with Him. So much so that verse 19 says, we are citizens of His kingdom. We have every right to be where He is and enjoy all the benefits of being part of His kingdom. Sometimes when a foreigner comes to a new land, it takes years for them to be made citizens of that land. In God's kingdom, the very moment that you trust in Christ and repent of your sins, you're a citizen of His kingdom. The scepter has been extended to you by the King. And you can come right in as a citizen of His kingdom. You're immediately a citizen with all the rights and benefits of citizenship. And by building upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we belong in His household. We are members of His immediate family. Brothers and sisters to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've entered into heaven not as foreigners, not as strangers, but as citizens and members of His family. Right up to His throne room. And we can call Him Abba Father. Our rooms are there with Him. And that becomes our permanent address. So how does all this happen in verse 19? How do you build your life upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to look at seven points. And in each one of the points, we're going to look at what it means if you don't build on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then if you do build on the Lord Jesus Christ in each one of these points. First, Jesus is the chief cornerstone and sure foundation for our lives. Listen to what it means when this is not true for you. When you are without Jesus as the cornerstone and foundation for your life. Jesus says, Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Without Jesus, you can build a wonderful building, but it's built upon sand. And it has no foundation. And when the storms of life hit that building, it's going to collapse. And it's going to crash. 
And you're going to be in there. And you're going to be destroyed. That's what building is like if you don't build your life on the Lord Jesus. You can spend your whole life and it comes to nothing because you have it built on the Lord Jesus. Building upon Him means obedience to what He says and doing it. Disobedience is ignoring Him and trusting in yourself or in something else. Jesus says, He who hears and does not is like a man without a foundation. Build a house on the earth against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately it fell. And the ruin of the house was great. The news lately is full of tragic pictures of houses and cars being swept away by floods. The ruin will be great of a person who does not build on the sure foundation of the Lord Jesus. That person is like one without a foundation who just builds right upon the earth. That's what the person's life is going to be like. When tragedy strikes or death happens, they haven't built on the Lord Jesus and they're going to be swept away. The psalmist says, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you did set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Foolish people only seem to prosper. But they're in slippery places. Their end is desolation and terror and destruction. The end of a life of people without Christ will be destruction. They may prosper now, but in the end, they're surely going to be in a slippery place that leads to tragedy. However, with Jesus as your foundation, you're founded on a firm foundation, not on sand and not on earth. When the storms of life hit, when they overtake you, you're going to be able to stand because you've been founded on the rock, the Lord Jesus. Moses says, God is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Christ is the solid place to build your life. He is the rock. He has perfect judgment. He is truth without iniquity. He's always just and right. There's a professional wrestler who calls calls his name the rock. I like the guy. Nice guy. (laughs) But Jesus is the true rock. The solid foundation for our lives. Here's where you want to build your life. So that it will stand the test of trials and take you into God's kingdom upon your death. He's the place to build your life that will last into eternity. Hannah, the prophet Samuel's mother, said, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside you. Neither is there any rock like our God. No one compares to Him. There is no king or ruler or president or government that can compare with the solid foundation that the Lord Jesus offers us in God. 
If you trust in yourself or in your own merit to be right with God, it will never work. Only Jesus brings us to the Father and gives us a sure foundation for life. King David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In Him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior, you saved me from violence. These are the words of safety and security, of deliverance from evil and from trouble, of a place to put our trust that will not be disappointed. Jesus is our rock, our fortress, our deliverer. Trust Him. He's our shield, our high tower, our refuge, and our Savior. Any place that you try to build your life other than Him will fail. It will be like the sand or the earth that the house is built upon. And when the difficulties come, when trials arise, or when death knocks at your door, your house is going to collapse. Jesus is the only safe place to put our faith and our trust. He is the rock that will never fail us. And in Him we have security and safety and a place that we can call home for our souls. And we can rest assured that He will keep us safe. Found your life upon Jesus. Trust Him. Look to Him. The second point, the reason we can safely build our house upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus, is He delivers us from the penalty and the power of sin. Without Jesus, we can't understand the things of God. The power that sin has over us keeps us from understanding the things of God. The natural man, the Scripture says, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We can't know the things of God without help. Without Christ as our foundation, we don't receive the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, they appear to us to be foolishness. And we don't have the capacity to know them. They are spiritual, and we are not spiritual. Without Jesus, we can't understand the things of God. Without Christ, there's something wrong with our minds. And we don't like to think of it like that. The Bible says the carnal mind is at enmity with God. For it's not subject to God's law, neither can be. We have a problem with our minds. And that we're at war with God. We are God's enemies and there's a hostility that we have toward God. We're strangers and we're foreigners. So that we can't be subject to His law. We don't obey His law. We don't love His law. We don't want Him telling us what to do. This is what it means to be without Christ. Jesus says we love the wrong things. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We are condemned before God because the light of the Lord Jesus has come into the world and instead of loving Him, we love the darkness. 
if we were to come to Him without repentance and faith, our deeds would be exposed for what they really are, for the evil that they are. If you're not building your life upon the Lord Jesus, you're condemned by God. You have a large problem of loving the wrong thing. You love the darkness of your sin. And you won't come to the light of the Lord Jesus. We could say it like this. You have a wrong love. You love your sin. And you love the darkness in which it thrives. So we're wrong in our hearts. We love the wrong thing. And God says the wages of sin is death. The problem with sin is you won't get away with it. God keeps a perfect record of everything that you do, that you think, that you say, every motive that you have is recorded by Him. Every action of your life. He has promised to pay you off for your sin with the death that you deserve. There will be no escape No bargaining. No comparing yourself with other people. No deal making. No leniency. No mercy. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God forever. And God describes unrepentant, unforgiving sinners as being dead in trespasses and sins. Their lives progress according to the course of the world. And that course is set by the prince of the power of the air, Satan. He's the spirit that works in them. That way of living is characterized by the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by being under the wrath of God. To remain in this state of spiritual death toward God as you live in the world, and don't build your life upon the Lord Jesus, means an eternal separation from God at your death. It means being dead toward God while you live, and that death continues on, past your physical death, into eternity. But with Jesus, building upon Him and trusting upon Him means deliverance from the penalty and the power of sin. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Death has no power over us because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in Him enters into that life and will be raised again after physical death. Jesus said, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, God's love is expressed to the world, but it's only expressed in the Lord Jesus. He gave us His Son, coming into the world as a man, dying in the place of sinners, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What a promise that is! The penalty and the power of sin is broken in the lives of those who believe in the Lord Jesus. The moment faith in Jesus comes and repentance from sin happens, that person is transported into the kingdom and God's family. No longer a stranger, no longer a foreigner, but a citizen and a member of God's household. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. That mind of ours that was at war with God 
that couldn't know God because it loved the darkness is transformed into a mind that can understand God. The things of God that were darkness to us before are now light. And in fact, they're attractive. And they're winsome. He gives us a desire to know Him because we have a new mind. Plus, Jesus has made peace with God for us through the blood of His cross. By Jesus, all things are reconciled to God, whether they are things in earth or things in heaven. We have peace through the blood of His cross. Reconciliation to God takes place because the penalty for sin is paid. Through the death of the Lord Jesus, He takes our death and we go free. For all who believe in Him, this death on the cross brings us to God. It makes reconciliation with God for us. We have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, dying on His cross in our place. In addition, with the forgiveness of sins, we get a new love. All things work together for the good for those who love God. Our enmity and estrangement from God is done away with. And with the darkness in our hearts, we fell toward Him, is replaced then by love for Him. God is on our side, and He's working all things together for our good. To sum up this second point, listen to this. Hell is a lonely place. Your friends may be there, but you won't see them. You'll be in total isolation for eternity, without any comfort, without any compassion, without any conversation. Without Jesus, we're dead toward God in our sins. Our minds are at enmity toward Him. We love the sin that we're in and the darkness that we're in. We can't know the things of God. But Jesus is our door to eternal life. When we're building upon Him, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus. He's the only way to be saved. He's the resurrection and the life. Our minds become open and our hearts give us a new love for God. He delivers us from the penalty and the power of sin. Number three, building our lives upon the Lord Jesus means He gives us a righteous standing before God. Without Jesus, we stand before God in our own righteousness. Paul recognized that he couldn't do that. He couldn't stand before God in his own righteousness, which was by the law. This is not where you want to be. Nothing good will ever come out of trying to stand before God in your own righteousness. By law-keeping or good works, those things only lead to death. Romans, Romans gives us a description of those who would stand before God based on their keeping of His law and in their own righteousness. Here it is. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. So trusting in your good works to outweigh your sin is never going to work. 
There's not one person that's righteous before God on His own. No, the Scripture says not one. There's none who understands God. There's none who seeks after God. Everyone has gone out of the way and are unprofitable to God. Not one of us is good enough for God or meets His standards. Isaiah says, "We all, as an unclean, we we all are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away." You can ask somebody in private. I'm not going to talk about it. What these filthy rags are? They are a disturbing description of our own righteousness when we try to stand before God there. We're like a leaf that fades away and the wind blows us away. The leaf doesn't stand up to the wind and neither does our righteousness stand up to God's standards. But listen, with Jesus as our foundation, our righteous standing before God changes. Paul says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Here's an attitude we need to emulate as Christians. If, it, if we're in Christ, it doesn't matter if we suffer the loss of everything. We can count it but rubbish that we may win Christ. Then we're found in Him, not having our own righteousness, which is by law-keeping, your own good works, but a righteousness which is by faith in Christ, which will stand the judgment of God. All the righteousness that Jesus has gets credited to our account. And we stand before God in that righteousness. Not our own, but that which belongs to the Lord Jesus. God has made Jesus, Corinthians says, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus became sin. He took our place. He stood in our stead. The punishment that we deserve, He took for us. He actually became sin on that cross so that we could have His righteousness on our account before God. God has placed us in Christ Jesus. And made Jesus our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. We receive a righteous standing before God when we have faith in the Lord Jesus. With Jesus as our righteousness, God doesn't see our sin any longer. Instead, when He looks at us, He sees the righteousness of His Son. Jesus sets us apart to God. Makes us holy. And He begins the process in us of changing us into His own image through the process of trials and temptations in our lives. Without Jesus, we stand alone. 
based on our own righteousness and our own good works, which will never get us to God. We are unprofitable without understanding, without any good work to recommend us to God. We are an unclean thing. And our iniquities have taken us away like the wind. But with Jesus as the foundation for our lives, we have a righteous standing before God that's not our own, but one that's given to us. Not because we earned it, but because Jesus has earned it for us. Our faith in Christ gives us His righteousness before God. We are made the righteousness of God in Him. He is righteousness. Number four. Jesus intercedes for us and pleads our case before God. Without Him, there's no one to speak to God for you on your behalf. There's no one caring for your soul. You have no mediator to appear before the bar of heaven for you. You're representing yourself. You are hopelessly outmatched because of the written record of your sin that God has kept. This is a sobering thought. What will you say to defend yourself? You are without Christ. You come face to face with God and His law. And you have to give an answer. What will you say? What will you say to the charge that you didn't put God first in your life? The first commandment. You had many gods, many idols. None of them were the true God. I know from experience. And you Christians do too. Or the charge of hating people without a cause, which is murder. Or looking and lusting, which is adultery. Or stealing or lying. Rehearse your answer if you can. You're going to stand all alone to defend yourself. All the facts are against you. You have no excuse. You're guilty of them all. That's what it's like when you do not build your life upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one speaks on your behalf. You're all alone and you have no defense. Ah, but with the Lord Jesus, it's a completely different story. A life founded on Him means that Jesus is your mediator with God. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus isn't one mediator among many mediators. There's only one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. He alone has access to the bar of God to represent sinners. He alone received the license from heaven that allows Him to practice mediation there. You will represent yourself or He will represent you. Christ has entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Christ is risen again who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Christ is able to save them to the uttermost who come to God by Him. Seeing He ever lives to make intercession for them. His intercession is the perfect representation for us. He pleads our case based upon His own sacrifice for our sins. Our debt is paid and we go free because of what He did on the cross. 
Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. He's the great high priest. Jesus, because He continues always, has an unchangeable priesthood. He is alive forever in heaven. He never dies like the early priest did. So He can always represent us there. Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Build upon the Lord Jesus. For we have a high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet He had no sin. He has a perfect and unchangeable priesthood based upon a sinless life. And He was in all points tempted like we are, so He knows every feeling that we have. He has experienced them Himself. When our lives are founded upon the Lord Jesus and upon that rock, then we have Christ as the intercessor for us with God. We do not stand alone with our sin before God. But we have Jesus pleading as the great high priest for us, pleading His own blood that gives us forgiveness. Number five, Jesus is our access to God. Without Him, without a foundation upon the Lord Jesus, the access that we should enjoy is not ours. To be without access to God means He's not answering your prayers. Sin has separated you from Him. He will not hear you. You can't get an audience with the King. You have no access to God. means you're not in His family. And you're going to be alone for eternity. There's no family in hell. God is your enemy. And He has set Himself against you. He Himself will put you in hell for your sins. And you will remain a stranger and a foreigner. Peter says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's face is not smiling at you from heaven. But it's set against you if you're not founded upon the Lord Jesus. The person who turns his ear away from hearing the law of God, even his prayer, Proverbs says, shall be an abomination. When you won't regard God's law, He doesn't regard your prayers. Proverbs says, without a foundation of the Lord Jesus, I have called, God says, and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, but no man regarded. You have set at naught all my counsels, and would have none of my reproof. Listen, God says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When when your fear comes as desolation, and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then you shall call upon Me, but I will not answer. You shall seek Me early, but you shall not find Me. This is a terrible position to be in. No access to God. No answered prayers. God's face set against you. When you face calamity, you're there without any help at all. You pray, and He will not answer. But with Jesus as your foundation, we have access to God. 
He hears our prayers. And He answers them for our good. In Christ we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. Come with boldness to God in prayer because of Jesus. We have boldness to enter into the holies where God lives by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which He has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, through His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. With Jesus, we can enter into the holiest place where God dwells. And we can come there with boldness. We can draw near to God with full assurance. He will hear us and accept us. We are citizens and we're His family. We belong to His household. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. What a comfort it is to know we're heard and answered by God. Jesus promises us, whatever you ask in My name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in My name, I will do it. Ask in accordance with the will of God, in Jesus' name, and it's yours. Without a life founded on the Lord Jesus, we're without access to God. We're strangers. We're foreigners. We can't expect Him to hear our prayers. In fact, when we're in trouble and we need Him the most, He won't be there for us. But with Christ, we have boldness and access to come to God through Him. We can enter into the holy place. We can have full assurance and confidence. His ears are open to our cry and He delivers us out of all our troubles. Whatever we ask, In Jesus' name, He's going to do for us. Number six. A life founded on Jesus gives us direction for abundant life. Without Him, the Bible describes that person as being dead in trespasses and sins. The course of their life follows right along with the course of the world, which is set by Satan. The course of this life Set by Satan, the prince of power of the air. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. We can be very unaware of this. But Satan is the spirit who works in those who aren't founded on the Lord Jesus. He brings about disobedience to God in their life. They live by the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And he makes them recipients of God's wrath. And this is the condemnation, John tells us. Light, that's the Lord Jesus, has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light and neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. Living in darkness is not an abundant life. Hating the light of God and not coming there in order to hide the way that we really are is not an abundant life. Truly, there's nowhere to hide from God. 
God sees into our darkness and He uncovers our sin. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We could say it like this. Do your own thing and see where it gets you. It may seem right to you, but it will end up in death if you're not built upon the Lord Jesus. The best we can say in that case is, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. However, with Jesus as our foundation, He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Jesus is the source of life, an abundant life. The Father has life in Himself, so He's given it to the Son to have life in Himself. Everything that is alive owes its life to the Lord Jesus. Only in Him can we have an abundant life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows Me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus lights up the life of all who follow them and build their lives upon Him. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for our path. The psalmist says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. All our needs are met by the Lord Jesus for food, clothing, restoration of our souls, protection from evil, and direction to live a righteous life. Truly God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Therefore, Matthew says, Jesus says, take no thought saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things, but you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our lives are only abundant when they're founded upon the Lord Jesus. To be without Him is to walk in darkness. To be left to your own devices. To follow the same path that Satan sets for the world that's around us. Jesus came that we might have an abundant life. One that is pleasing to God and satisfying to our souls. Number seven. Jesus is our hope for the future. Without Jesus, there's no hope for the future. Death ends everything and ushers us into an eternity separated From God forever. Truly, the best thing you can do is eat and drink for tomorrow you die and go off into oblivion and punishment. The best hope for those without Christ is there's nothing after life. Except we intuitively know there is something after life. When you die, there's more to it than that. It's not just a void or a nothingness. We know deep down in our souls that we continue even after we die. Here's where you don't want to be. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be that you've provided? 
So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you realize that when you lay up treasure here on earth and you're not rich toward God, that you're going to lose everything in the end and you're going to lose your own soul as well? However, with the Lord Jesus as your foundation, we have a hope for the future. We're looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear will live. Have you heard His voice? Are you living? Marvel not at this for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Who does this? God does. Our hope is resurrection to eternal life. A future spent with Him in eternity as citizens and family. Never to be separated. To see His face. Behold Him as He is. And to have no burden of sin upon our souls. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and life. He who believes in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in Me shall never die. And then He said, do you believe this? That's a great question. Do you believe this? Do you believe the words of the Lord Jesus that He is the resurrection and He is the life and whoever believes in Him won't die but will live forever with Him? Paul had this confidence. We are confident, he said, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. A life founded on the sure foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ has this confidence. When we're absent from the body, we are present with the Lord for eternity. Death brings the Christian's blessed hope to reality. Hallelujah and praise the Lord. So the answer to the question coming out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, what does it mean to build your life on the foundation of the Lord Jesus? It means that Jesus is the chief cornerstone and sure foundation for our lives. Faith in Him delivers us from the penalty and the power of sin. It gives us a righteous standing before God. He intercedes with God for us and He pleads our case with Him. He gives us boldness and confidence to have access to Him by prayer, to come to the throne of the Father in heaven. He is our abundant life. And our hope for a future eternity rests solidly on the sure foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be a stranger. Don't be a foreigner. Be a citizen of the kingdom. Be part of God's family. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and build your life there. So Christian, build better on Christ. Non-Christian, put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life upon Him. Look to Him for your salvation. Look to Him for answered prayers. Look to Him to plead your case before God. Come confidently to the throne. Because with Him you have access to God. And know that He has an abundant life for you.
and your future is firmly fixed in heaven at the right hand of God. Amen and amen. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that uh, You would cause us to hear Your Word, to understand how to build upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus, to do that in our lives, to trust Him, to know Him, to put Him first. And for the souls that uh, are not yet there, Lord, we ask that You would move in their hearts by Your Spirit. Deliver them from sin and deliver them into Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen.